Welcome to an encouraging word from Pastor Elliot Warren from Cross Culture Church in Houston, Texas. I have a word to, to share with you today uh, about this, the great shaking that we're in. I'm looking forward to getting into this again. But we've been talking about this great shaking that we're in the middle of. I, I believe we'll look back in history and be able to see this time and, and recognize what a tremendous amount of change took place in this time. But there is a, a huge shaking. I don't want to say we're in the middle of it. Maybe we're just at the beginning of it. I'm not sure, but we've already seen a lot of shaking. Politically, our political structures are being shaken. You know, a lot of people have been, you know, very upset about that. And I would just say that's the kind of thing it just seems like almost has to happen. And I'm not sure, but I believe there's going to be a lot more shaking than what, what we've already seen there. And personally, I believe that our politicians and our political system needs to be shaken on both sides of the aisle and all the other little aisles as well. I think everything needs to be shaken there. Economically, there's been a huge, just huge shaking. You know, you can look at what's happened there, particularly with um, small businesses and, and all of their employees. And so many people have lost their jobs. That's been a very significant shaking in our economy, in our nation. It's interesting to me that it's been mostly small businesses that have been going out, not the big, big businesses. The big businesses have actually gotten stronger. The big businesses have become more powerful. And, you know, when you go through something like this, you, you, you go through looking at things and going, there are forces at work. It's not just natural things happening. There are forces at work. And so you want to back up and begin to observe things. So so, of course, I back up and, I'm, and I look at this and I go, okay, I'm watching. Are these big tech companies going to be shaken like the little man has been? And if so, how? Are they beyond shaking? Is this a man thing or is this a God thing? If it's God, you know, or nobody is untouchable, right? <laughs> so it's just something to be thinking about. When I see small businesses go out of business, it really is painful to me. I've been in small business before, and I, I know the, I know what it takes, and I, I see uh, some of these small businesses go out, and I, I hear of them in other states more so even than Texas, and it's it's really heartbreaking. You think of people, some people have left their jobs, they've invested all of their savings to start up this business, they've they've gotten into debt with equipment and whatnot, and then and then after doing that, after some of them leaving their jobs, some you know, putting all their money into something and then and then something like this happens and 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 you know their their dreams get crushed. That's a very sad thing. There you can see in our culture, in the sports world and entertainment industries, uh, the uh Hollywood stars and whatnot, you know, there's been a huge shaking there as well. Personally I I think that's been actually a very positive thing. I think that we have begun to idolize our sports and uh, our entertainment figures and put them all up on a pedestal and see them as something that they're really not. They're bigger than life, you know, bigger than reality. Somehow I just think that's actually been somewhat of a positive thing. In the church world, we, we've seen so much shaking going on there, and it's it's been shaking in, in a lot of different ways. I believe one thing that's been sh shaken is a lot of the... Uh, 
well, how should I say it? The fleshiness of the church, the, the glitter of the church. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later, but I believe God has shaken that. Things that didn't please Him. You know, God can be somewhere where He's not pleased with everything, but we need to keep growing and go forward. When we get stuck in a rut and God's not pleased with something, He'll begin to back off and He will allow things to happen to change us. You know how it says that God chastens His children? Why does He chasten us? Not because He hates us, but because He loves us. That means He'll spank us. That means He'll allow us to go through difficulty because sometimes that's what we need. We need something that's like a spanking or a difficulty to help us change because we become stubborn, hard-headed, fleshly, and we get stuck in a rut in those areas, even as Christians. So God not only does that with individuals, He does it with the church. Sometimes I believe the church and church leadership can get stuck in a rut We can get stuck with our success and be happy with that and not want to lay down our success for what God wants to do. Anyway, I believe God's really, really begun to deal with that. I believe there's a whole lot more shaking coming our way, to be honest with you. We don't even know where we're going yet, to be be quite honest. I believe the church world doesn't know what we're going to end up looking like. We don't know what tomorrow's going to be like in the church world. What are the shapes and structures of what God's going to put together? And that's the other thing that God's shaking is the the structure. Because sometimes God uses different structures and and methods. That causes the church world to have to disconnect from the patterns. Because sometimes we get in the habit of just going through the pattern and asking God to help with that. But when God takes away the pattern and the pattern doesn't work anymore, then we begin to look to God even more so. We're dependent upon Him for everything. And I feel like just in the way that God called Abraham and he had to step out not knowing where he's going, God does that with us individually sometimes, and He does that in the church world, and that has definitely been happening. I believe one of the greatest keys in life is to recognize where you are. If God isn't in the pattern where He was, don't try to keep working on that pattern because you're just going to be in frustration. You have to recognize, yes, that was good. God used that, but that season's over. You know, it's so good when you recognize that, and then you can learn to go forward. The difficulty, though, is we'd rather have that than have to walk on water. We like to do what we know to do, that we know to work. We'd rather do that than have to walk a walk of faith. And God's calling us to walk the walk of faith individually and in the church. And I would just say also, God is going to be bringing so many opportunities to individuals, and you're going to have to learn how to walk in faith to step out into the things that God's bringing you into. Believe me or not, I believe God's going to bring many opportunities to people right in the midst of all of these trials that we see all around us. You know, God brought a huge trial to the nation of Egypt many years ago, and yet for His people, they were in the land of Goshen. They had a special provision a special blessing. It doesn't mean that there wasn't some stress happening there. In fact, there was some stress. If you remember, Pharaoh and his people came against them, made their work harder. But at the same time, they had a special protection from God, and they learned how to grow in that. And after a while, they they learned how to trust in that more and more. Now, I want to talk a little bit about a pattern that we see in God's history. If you look in history, and if you look at patterns that are in the Bible, you'll recognize there are certain ways that God does things. And 
because of these things that we've seen in the past and that God said is coming in the future, we can recognize how God works today. So one of the patterns and seasons that, that I want to refer to is when, like, for example, it looks like everything starts going downhill. It looks like things go from bad to worse. You know, th this has happened so many times with God's individuals that he's working with, with God's nation. You know, th things look really, really bad. Some people start to give up. A lot of people start to complain because they don't see God moving. God's not doing anything. And then all of a sudden, something happens. There's a great breakthrough. And everything then changes. It doesn't mean that there's no, no more trial, no more difficulty. But there's a breakthrough where now the people of God are going forward. Or the man or woman of God is going forward. And, and again, this happens so many times, whether it be from the, the Red Sea, whether it be whether it's uh, David in his greatest worst day, so to speak, out in the wilderness where having gone through that, uh, you know, walked through that on the next side was God's greatest, you know, breakthrough for him. But probably the, the greatest example is, is in the crucifixion. It's, it's, there's a pattern there that we see, again, that's spoken of and shown us so many times in Scripture. So what happens at the crucifixion? You know, they've been increasing. The, I mean, there's more and more people are listening to Jesus. They'd been, it started out with John the Baptist. Man, there was a revival. God started moving. But then things begin to turn. Things begin to look bad. And so they're all, all these are going, wait a minute. I thought we were having the momentum. I thought God was moving. I thought that we were going to have a tremendous revival and all of Israel was going to just turn to God. Rather than that, what happens? The Pharisees begin to take charge. The Pharisees begin to, the ruling class of uh, leaders in the church world and actually in Israel's governmental world begin to get their hands involved because it wasn't going the way that they wanted it to go. They were going to take control and they did take control. And what did they end up doing? They put a stop to this great movement, so to speak. They crucified the Lord and you've got these people, you know, all these disciples who are now, what do you think the disciples are doing when this began to happen? I believe maybe at the beginning, they're praying like crazy. Oh, this can't be happening. God, intervene. God, do something. Oh, God, you got to change things. This can't happen, right? But after this happens, this going to the other side, Jesus actually gets crucified. I believe these guys can't believe it. I, I mean, they're utterly stunned. It looks like Satan won. This is completely unjust and it was unjust how could god let this happen you see i'm sure and, and of course you you know the story where in the middle of it it was there was so much pressure they gave up they gave up on god they they they, they actually turned their backs on so to speak on standing up for christ the pressure of that moment was so intense and i would say there's a darkness, a demonic, thick darkness that was there in that hour. But then you have to look at the rest of the story. It was only three days. I wish all of our trials were only three days long. Would that not be great? Or a week long, if you want to look at the whole process, right? A week or so. I wish it was all like that. But anyway, 
in that case, it was only a, a short time. And Jesus, here he is raised from the dead, and he's alive. It's like everything that looked like the devil had won. It looked like injustice had gotten away with it. It looked like that the enemy and darkness was taking over and that God was not involved at all. But you see, God was involved, but sometimes it looks like God's completely disinterested, not involved, not doing anything. He's just sitting back and watching. But even in those times, God is very strategic. He's got a plan, and justice and God will always ultimately have the last word. And we have to remember that. Now, I will skip to the end of history of this age, the history of this. We're coming. How soon? I don't know, but we're getting closer. But there's a day that's coming, and in that day, everything is going to look really, really bad. Really bad. Some, many believe that we're all going to go through a particularly extremely difficult three and a half years where there'll be a, a really intense time of persecution and other things and tribulation. The great tribulation is called. But Jesus said, even when these things begin to happen, and you see these things happen, what does he say? Give up? No, he says, when it gets like that, look up. Look up, because your redemption draws nigh. Things might look like they're getting bad, but look at this. It's not going to be forever, and even then, Jesus is going to step into the earth and bring a huge breakthrough. There are going to be people praying, God, bring justice. God, show up. God, move. And I just want to tell you, God is always moving because people are praying. I hope that all of you that have been connected with this church have been praying and asking God, God, move. God, bring strongholds in this nation down. God, bring justice into this nation. Bring justice for the little man that doesn't get justice. Bring justice for those that are high up, that are escaping justice. God, let there be justice on both sides of justice for everybody. God, that we would live in a just nation. God, that there would be all these strongholds and all the parts of society. You see, our prayers make a huge difference. People were praying before Jesus came. You remember? Anna and Simeon are there when Jesus comes to the temple. Why are they there? Because God's honoring them and giving us also a picture. These people have been praying for something, praying for something, praying for something, for God's will to be done, and here it is. It's happened. We are those who pray and who believe God and who are pulling on heaven to pour out things into the earth. And we're asking God, break every lie in this nation. Break all the deception that's being spewed out of the mouths of the liars and those that are being used of the enemy. God, let truth shine. Let truth reign again. Let truth have its way. I want to encourage you, don't get all upset and discouraged because it looks like things are getting worse. Look up. God's going to bring a breakthrough at the right time. It will come. Do not give in. It will come at the right time. Don't worry if it doesn't happen by the end of next year. 
All I know is I'm going to flow with God next year. I'm going to live in victory next year. I'm going to rise above my circumstances next year. And you need to make the decision that you're going to do the same thing. You don't have to live under the circumstances. You can rise above them. And I will encourage you, you can live in a life of victory no matter what's going on. And God's teaching His people to do that. I've been telling you, I've seen, I've seen so many people in our church blessed. It's been amazing. I mentioned there'd been five, and I'm like, man, there's like a couple more where God is just showing up and bringing them into new levels of, of blessings. Here in the middle of the, a situation where you'd go, it doesn't look like it's time, you know, for people to be blessed. Well, that's just the way God works. But anyway, there's going to be that ultimate day, and people are going to be praying and praying and praying, and it's going to look like God's not involved. It's going to look like God's disinterested. But guess what? The Bible says He's going to break through those heavens one day, and there's going to be a loud shout. <laughs> Could you just imagine that day? Man, people are going to be going, hey, we're praying. Oh, let's, we're praying. And then that's the day God just shows up. That's the day of the breakthrough. That's the day when God's going to bring justice. Nobody's going to escape. Nobody's going to get away from it. Everything's going to be brought to light. Every, every evil deed's going to be brought to light. Man, it's going to be amazing and powerful. It's going to be something else. And uh, we need to all be ready for it because that day is coming. And I want to encourage you, if you don't know Jesus, and if you're playing around with God, let me just say, what are you thinking? You need to make sure you're living right for God. You know, I'll tell you, if you're living halfway, you're never going to enjoy God that way. You're, ne you're not, and actually you can't enjoy the world that way either. You know what I mean? Either serve God wholeheartedly or do whatever you're going to do. Just do it. Why don't you just go all in on it? And I want to encourage you today, go all in on God. It's sad when I think about the fact that many people who believe they're saved have not actually been born again. They're not, they have never truly given their life to the Lord. And the light of God has never come alive on the inside of them to give them new purpose, to give them a new life. Many have that, have a heart for God. They have an affinity toward God. They have a soft spot, so to speak, for God. They, they have a wanting to honor of God in their heart, right? But they've never submitted everything and given everything to God and said, God, I lay it all on the altar. I am for you. Let me tell you, that is what it means to give your life to the Lord. It's not some passive mental something. It's not just a mental belief in God. Belief incorporates so much more in the Bible, and it is referring to something where you're giving over of yourself completely to God. That's what belief does. That's the fruit of belief. That's the evidence that you've believed the way the Bible says to believe. So I just want to encourage you today, believe in God. Anyway, getting back to this pattern. So we see this pattern where God allows things in certain times and seasons to look really bad. But then there's the people who are praying. They're asking God. And then things may even look worse. God is just looking to get involved and bring breakthrough at the right season. And I just want to say, I believe right now, God is actually setting us up for a huge breakthrough. I believe there's going to be a huge move of God. I believe that lives are going to be changed. We're going to see a lot of people come to know Jesus. And it won't be one of these 
like it has been. You know, the past generation, the church was like, oh, let them come to the Lord. They don't have to change. You know, let God do that. And then and nobody ever changed. The churches have become like the most worldly things, depending more on production than they are on God's power. I don't think production's wrong. I think you ought to have the best production possible. But you ought to never depend on that to save souls. That has to happen through God's power. But let me mention just a couple of things. I've highlighted these a little before, but I want you to think about what's going on a little bit at some degree now, which I believe is going to increase. First of all, is this the glitter of America, the glitter actually of the world, the mesmerizing forces of success, of opportunity. Again, success isn't evil in itself. Opportunity isn't evil in itself. But when we get mesmerized by it, and that's all that we're running after, it's a force that's so strong, it keeps people from giving their lives to the Lord. When that gets knocked off of people's mind, when that, the glitter of the world gets knocked off of people's hearts and minds, somehow they are then more open and able to come to God. It just is that way. The prodigal was a great example of this. He's got a lot of money from his dad. He's going out having fun. He's going to bars at night. He's going out with women, prostitutes, and doing drugs. He's just doing everything he can to live it up. So he's buying the best horse, you know, whatever he, he had. But then his money ran out. It was when he was at the lowest place and the glitter of and the opportunity had dried up for him that he came to his senses. Think about that. His situation caused his mind to think differently and to be open to God. There's a rich young ruler. You remember one time a rich young ruler comes to God, comes to Christ, and says, Hey, I know something's not right. How can I be saved? How can I have eternal life? And the Lord knows what his problem is. He's been lured by all this stuff. And now he's become a slave to all his stuff. He wants more. He's just looking at his possessions, his money. And Jesus wants to set him free. So he says, let go of all of that and just follow me. And you see, many times people have the hardest time letting go of something like opportunity, success, or something that they're looking to so much. You don't necessarily have to sell it and leave it. You need to let go of it completely, and maybe that's what it will take if it has such a stronghold in your life. But you see, this man wasn't willing to do that. And Jesus says, you know what? It's very difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because of his mindset. He's so mesmerized with this world. He's so thinking about his money. He's thinking about his opportunities. He's thinking about his possessions. And you see, that's the same kind of force that has been in America. And I believe what's happened has been knocking some of that glitter off. And there is more openness to Christ than I have seen in years. And I believe that's the reason people are becoming a little desperate. They're beginning to recognize, wait a second, you know what? Even if I have all of that, somehow, what is that? What is that? People are beginning to be willing more and more to just let go of everything and do whatever God wants. 
Charles Finney, who was uh, probably the major instrument in the Second Great Awakening in America, Charles Finney would go and preach in places and see amazing conversions. The way it would look was he would go to place. I mean, people would fall on the ground sometimes. They'd be crying, and there would be masses of people. And he began to talk and, and find out how God had been working in their life. And though it may not have appeared to other people that God had been working in these lives, for many of them, he began to recognize God had already been putting them in circumstances and states of mind where they would be more open to hearing the gospel. They might still be against it, but when the final story would come out, you'd realize that God was wrestling with them on the inside. He was allowing circumstances to bring them to a certain place where they would be ready to hear the gospel. They would be more attentive to the gospel. And uh, I believe that's exactly what's been happening. John Anthony, you know, I just love hearing John speak. He's just always energetic and bubbly and full of life. If you hear, get to hear him share his story, which actually he shared with us a while back. He got COVID-19. He almost died. He thought, maybe I'm not going to make it. And he was crying out to God. And someone prayed for him that very day. He said, I knew I was healed and I knew God had touched me. And from that very day, he was healed and they let him out of the hospital. I believe he said like in a day or two. And to hear his story, it's like that situation was actually used for good for me because it changed my mindset and made me want God and made me recognize that I need to be thankful to God. You see, it was what he went through that caused him to be in a different disposition and an openness to God. And guess what? God's come in his life in a major way, you see. And I believe he's, he's one of those that'd be like, hey, I'll do whatever. I'll go to wherever and do whatever God wants me to do. I just want to serve him. I want to be, I want to be pleasing to him. I want to, I want to live my life in thankfulness to him for what he's done for me. And you see, that's the kind of, of experience that I expect to see in many lives in many lives in this upcoming season. I just believe we're going to see it. And I, I would say, too, I believe that, as I've said a little bit, I believe that the glitter has also been not, not only off of the world, but off of the church. You know, the church actually got into the glitter so much. It's all into the hype. It's all into being hip. And I don't like hype, but I guess hip is okay, you know, being cool. I, I wish I knew how to be hip. I think I'd be more hip if I knew how to how to be hip. I don't think it's a bad thing, but as I said, it's bad for that to be what you're trusting in to build your ministry or your church. And uh, in this hour, people are looking for the real deal. The glitter's getting knocked off the church. People just want the real deal. It might end up being where, I don't know how God's going to do it. It might be the most lowly looking of circumstances, but I tell you, if we'll go where God wants us to go, there's going to be a lot of glory there. And people are going to go, I would not trade this for anything. And I'll tell you, once you've experienced the glory of God, the presence of God, worship that really connects with God, once you see the gifts of God flowing and ministry flowing in a house where everything's working the way it ought to work, you'll always have a, a, a vision for that. There might be seasons where it looks like that isn't like that. But you'll be looking for that, hoping for that, wanting to discover that, 
pressing into the Lord that that would happen again. And that's where I am in life right now. I'm looking to see, God, where are you? Let me stay on that path every day because I've seen that before. I want to see that and even more than that where we're going. And I believe that's God's design. You might say, great, how are we going to get there? One day at the time, we stay connected one day at a time. We trust the Lord. We give our lives to the Lord. We're listening. We're walking like Abraham did. One day at a time, we're going to end up exactly where God wants us to be. Amen? So many people are really thankful. 2020 is over. How about you guys? Yay, 2020 is over. Yes. Well, I just want to say 2021 may be a lot more stressful than 2020. <laughs> I do want to just say I believe we're going to be blessed. But I believe in the world, I believe there's going to be more shaking than ever. I believe there's going to be a lot more shaking. You know, don't just get upset at the shaking. Oh, this, that, oh, that, you know, uh, it's the crazy. I mean, yes, we can get upset at things, but I'm just saying we need to rise above these kind of things. And we need to recognize God's on the move. You need to get your eyes on what God's doing when it looks like God's not doing anything. When it looks like the devil's taking center stage. I want you to be challenged to rise above that and say, wait a second, what's God doing? He might only show you a little bit of what he's doing. You might only see a little bit of the big picture, but you ought to see something. God wants to show you something about what he's doing. That's one of the key elements about serving the Lord and being born again. We're supposed to have eyes that see and ears that hear, but most Christians are so focused on this life this world, this problem, that problem. What happened today? Oh, what happened this afternoon? Oh, what happened last night? Let me just tell you something. You've got to pull yourself away from that. And you've got to go to God and you've got to get perspective. And you've got to get the Word of God on the inside of you. Because if the Word of God does not reform you, remake you, remake your mind, remake you as a person, you're going to have the wrong perspective in life. But I would just say in this hour and where we're going, it's going to be imperative that you connect with Christ and that you live your life in Him, in Christ. And when I say in Christ, I mean you're knowing Him. You're drawing near to Him. You're going deeper in Him. And in this hour, this upcoming hour of shaking and probably a lot more stress, those that draw near to God those that know their God will not be touched by whatever Satan does. He will not cause you to stumble or fall. They will be strong, full of courage to face every day with a smile and rejoicing. They will do great exploits. They will not be hidden in their caves. This is the day of great exploits. They will have peace in the middle of all the storms going on. And they're going to be blessed. I will tell you, servants of God and those that have been sowing for so many years, there's a great season of reaping coming upon you. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be so amazing. And the world's going to be able to look and go, what in the world? How in the world did that happen to you? You're going to be able to tell them. Praise God for that. Does that mean there won't be anybody having trials? No. But you're going to look. And I, as I've said, I'm seeing it already. So many people just seem to be blessed beyond explanation. 
Now, for those that do not draw near to God, those that will not draw near in this season of difficulty and shaking, they will be vulnerable to Satan's deception. They will be vulnerable to Satan's lies, to Satan's schemes, to Satan's manipulation. They will be driven back and forth and back and forth. Their emotions will be driven. They will be unstable and tormented. And they will be poisoned in their minds with bitterness and hatred. And they will also be filled, I would say, with the world's ideas. That's just what happens. And there are certain times in life when the pressure for those kinds of things to happen are more so than at other times. I can say without any doubt, the pressure for that kind of thing right now is a lot worse, much worse than it was 30 years ago, for example. And I believe that the intensity of it's going to grow. And eventually, where we're going, I think that you're going to be able to see that the light is going to get more and more bright the, the, those that are serving the Lord, it's going to be more and more clear. There's going to be a separating of the darkness from them as, as the light gets brighter and they're, they're realizing, oh, I can't allow this stuff in my life. The, the light in the body of Christ in this time of trial is going to be brighter. But the darkness to those who have not drawn near to God and those who will reject God and turn away from God is going to get darker and darker their minds are going to get more and more dark and they will come against everything that's good and they will do it with everything that's on the inside of them thinking that they're doing what they need to do. Now, in 1 Timothy 4, verse 1, it says this, the Spirit clearly, emphatically, with an exclamation mark, the Spirit emphatically says, in the latter days, some will depart from the face, giving heed to deceitful spirits and instructions or training or teaching ideas of demons. Now, I want to mention here before I go on, I don't think all of this is going to come from the church only. I believe a lot of these doctrines of demons, ideas of demons, teachings, instruction of demons come directly from our culture. And sadly to say, a lot of these teachings of demons from the culture actually come into people who call themselves Christians and are in the church. They're influenced by these. But where are these forces coming from? They're coming from television. They're coming from movies. They're coming from the news. They're coming from TV shows. They come from so many different angles, from your workplace, these kind of things. It's like the spirit of this age. There's a doctrine of this age. If you'd step back and look at it, you'd go, wow, there's a cohesive kind of doctrine in the world today. How much are you influenced by it would be, I guess, the bigger question. But let me back up and read this verse again, okay? The spirit clearly says it must be pretty important. In the latter days, some will depart from the faith. Why? Because they're paying attention to, they're giving heed, they're giving space in their mind to deceitful spirits and doctrines 
of demons being influenced, impacted by, influenced by the hypocrisy of liars whose consciences are seared as with a hot iron. So they're being influenced by people that can lie and not even blink an eye. They can be so convincing. They can look so genuine and real and believable and lie and convince and influence. And I just say we have a lot of lying hypocrites in many high places in the land that have a platform that speak to influence. Man, it's, it's the crazy thing now. This whole, this kind of thing so gets under my skin, so to speak, to think of evil people knowingly lying to promote their doctrine, their agenda, their ideas. You know, it's a horrible thing. And the Word of God says, lying, influential hypocrites. Lying, influential hypocrites are going to lead many astray from their walk with God. That is a horrible thing to think about. But you need to wake up. And I would just want to say, the church needs to not be gullible. We need to be centered on Christ. And you can't go, oh, I'm not going to be gullible. And then you don't go to God. That means you're strong in yourself. Oh, you're just so brilliant. You're not going to be gullible. No, we're all gullible in a sense if we don't come to God and humble ourselves and seek His truth. I'm telling you, every one of us are gullible. Now, I've mentioned that a lot of these people are in the world that are hypocrites. They're in the church too. Jesus said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. What's leaven? Leaven is something, it's a little bit of something that can be sewn into something and it mixes with a lot of something. You see, you take a little leaven, it leavens the whole lump of dough, right? So he's saying, don't let the part in them get into you because if you allow that leaven that is in the Pharisees get into you, it will go all throughout you and it will impact your life. It will have an influence on you. It will change the nature of who you are, even though you only got a little bit of it. Wow, that's just, that's so powerful. Now, what's, again, leaven, power to influence. What's a Pharisee? A Pharisee is like a religious authority. But Jesus called the Pharisees hypocrites. Now, I want to just mention this about a religious hypocrite. A religious religious hypocrite can know so many scriptures. A religious hypocrite, a Pharisee, can know so much of what is in the Word of God, but they cannot apply it accurately to today. They will use scriptures to manipulate you, to get you to think a certain way, but they cannot accurately apply what the scriptures say to today. There's a story that I think is so neat where Jesus goes and he heals this blind man. Man, and the Pharisees can't stand it. They get him in and they say, who healed you? Oh, I don't know. The guy must be a prophet. I mean, hey, no, he's a sinner. He's a sinner. You see, the Pharisees, they know all these scriptures much more than that man who had been blind knows, right? They know a lot more than he knows. This man's going, I know that had to be God. He saw something and him getting <laughs> healed. 
And all the Pharisees are going, no, that can't be God. God, that's not God. Who do you think you are? We know so much more than you do. You're just a sinner. Man, that's the craziest idea. But let me just tell you essentially what's happening here. Here, all these people, they know all these scriptures, and they're able to use them to influence people and get them in the wrong direction, doing the wrong things, because they're not able to perceive really or hear from God about what's going on today. This man who did not know so very much is blind. He's begging for his living. One day somebody heals him. Hey, that guy had to be from God. Later, Jesus sees him. And Jesus says, do you believe in the Son of God, the Son of Man? And the guy goes, who is he? I am he. <laughs> the guy goes, I believe. Now, you might go, oh, that's not valid. He didn't know enough scriptures to believe. He didn't have da -da 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 to believe. He no, he had an encounter with God. He saw God in something happening, and he was able to go, that's God. And he learned from it. So many people that know so many scriptures cannot see God because they don't have a relationship with him. Jesus said, if you believe Moses, you believe me. All of them would have said, oh, we believe Moses. We believe Moses. Jesus is going, no, not, no, you don't. You just think you believe. And I'd say so many people say they believe in Christ, but they don't know him. They can't hear him. They can't see what he's doing. It is very, very important that if you are a believer, that you back up and you ask for eyes to see, ears to hear, and that you start looking and you're acknowledging and recognizing what God is doing is super important. Now, I just want to mention this for a moment. Have you noticed so many Christians are upset at Christians in this hour? Some Christians say this, some say that, and it's not just that they differ in opinion. That's just normal. We ought to all be able to share our opinions and ideas and thoughts. But there's so much anger being spewn out at each other. Such a lack of grace in the way things are done. Now, I'm not saying the majority, but it's just a significant minority okay, of people. Why is that happening? Now, I want you to think how crazy this is. And you could think about any issue that has brought division in the church lately. Think about this. You've got good people that love God on all sides of most of these issues. People, these good people, all have the same values in most any issue. They want justice. They want righteousness. They want freedom. They want godliness. They want revival. Why can't we walk together? You not think about that? What's the problem? I think there are a variety of things, but one element that I would say perhaps is there is that they've all been fed different narratives from different angles, maybe by confused people, other people, maybe by liars and hypocrites. I just want us to all think about things like that because we need to be able to be discerning. Let me just tell you this. The church is his ultimate target. He will come one day if we do not unify. He's trying to bring division. He wants to bring it in the church. Why? Because he knows a universal truth 
that works in the demonic kingdom or God's kingdom. A kingdom divided cannot stand. God's kingdom has power when there is unity. When we are one, that doesn't mean we have to agree on every single thing, on, on how everything is happening. But we cannot allow the world to feed us their narratives, to plant bitterness and plant pictures of this and that. I am telling you, you need to disengage sometimes and you need to just clean yourself out and ask God to help. We, this nation needs that. This church world in America needs that right now because Satan's ultimate goal is to divide the church and bring it down because they are his greatest enemy. And if you look at this world, it's not just by happenstance things happen. There are spiritual elements behind them. And if you recognize that there's a devil working to bring everything down and that the church is his greatest enemy in the earth, you'll recognize his ultimate goal is to disempower the very ones that have been given power over him. So remember, his ultimate target is the church. Guess what? He'll also want to blame the church for anything bad. He'll call the church the most hateful. We're the re this is where it will go. We're the reasons for the problems in society. We're the reasons why society isn't progressing to this and this, to the greater heights of uh, whatever. We're not accepting of the new morality, the new, all the new genders and everything else, you see. And we're the ones causing the problem. We'll get blamed for everything. We'll be the ones who are seen as evil. And the ones who are evil will be seen as the lights of society. If you remember, maybe you don't know this, but in the early church, Rome, during the times of the early church, Rome burned down. Two-thirds of Rome burned during the days of Nero. Guess what he did? He goes, the Christians are responsible for that. He blamed the Christians for that. And he pegged them with things that others had done. And what he do? He had Christians fed to the lions in front of everybody. I cannot even imagine that. Can you imagine going to the, you know, it's like a ball game of your day. Hey, let's go see. What are, they, what are we going to be doing today, Daddy? Oh, they're going to be feeding some Christians to the lions. Oh, I don't know if I want to see. Oh, come on. It's fun. You'll get used to it. Oh, man, I cannot believe that, right? That's the craziest thing. Can you believe mankind used to do that? And you go, oh, I can't believe mankind would do that. Let me just tell you, unredeemed man is the very same today he was back then, and he can get corrupted mighty fast if the church isn't doing its part. Man's no different. Man is no different than he was then. But anyway, he blamed all the Christians, and he honored the false and the ungodly. Let me finish in this last little story here. When there was a, this time of stress getting ready to come on the disciples, Jesus told them, he said, watch and pray. Watch and pray. Why? Watch and pray so that you won't fall into temptation. Temptation to what? Temptation to uh, go to a bar and get drunk. Temptation to uh, go, go sleep with a prostitute, go buy a, you know, pay for a prostitute. Temptation to, you know, no. Temptation to fall away from God. Temptation to not represent God, to not stand for Him. To fall to the pressure of the devil. He said there are two keys to making it for the pressure that's coming up. First of all, well, he says watch and pray, but let's look at prayer just really quickly. What does prayer do? It connects you to God. You got to have that. You'll never make it. You'll never make it in times of difficulty. When the storms of life come, 
and the storm comes in this nation. You'll never make it serving the Lord and staying with God if you don't stay connected. Secondly, you get strong. You get strong by God. He is our strength. I've shared this many times, but I've prayed where I asked God, God, strengthen me. I feel it like just like that I'm changed. You get answers to your prayers. When you pray, you get answers. Now, do you know that Jesus said you ought to pray your regular formula, so to speak, prayer should say, deliver us from evil? How many of you pray that every day? God, deliver me from evil. You know, when you pray, deliver me from evil, you know what you're doing? You're acknowledging you have an enemy. You're acknowledging he's out for, for you every day in some way to try to bring you down. When you say, deliver us from evil, and you pray that prayer, you are trusting and asking God to intervene on your behalf to help you from whatever he might, the devil might throw at you today. And you need that, you see. So pray, very important. Then he says, the other thing he said was, watch. Again, God's going to show you things. Now, when you start praying and you're, you're being sensitive to the Lord, it's not necessarily words. They're usually thoughts. All of a sudden, you're, you're praying and you realize you got a wrong attitude. You start to deal with that. You're praying and then a scripture comes to your mind. You start thinking on You realize, oh, wow, you know what? I think that's for me today. And it encourages you and gives you life. And see, you begin to learn when God's speaking to you. You begin to discern the voice of the Lord. You see, as you spend time with God, God begins to show you things. One of the first things He does is show you things that you need to change in yourself, right? And as we do that, our eyes get more and more clear. You remember the Word of God? Jesus says, yeah, don't try to go clean up somebody else's problem until you get the, eye, the junk out of your eye, right? You remember that verse? Well, you see, what happens is when we pray, God begins to deal with us. And we start to, oh, oh man, boy, I didn't see I had that. That's huge. You know, you start pulling that thing out of your eye. What a problem I had. Now I can see so much better. You see, when you, when you go to God in prayer, He deals with it, you begin to see better. You begin to have truth. God will highlight truth to you. And then since God will correct you. I love that. God corrects us. He corrects our path. He corrects our thoughts. He corrects our attitudes. And He inspires us. And as you grow, you'll begin to recognize what God's doing in the earth. You'll be able to go, oh, oh, yes, this, this didn't happen. But can you not see this? And as you pray through it, you begin to see God. I believe that's so important for where we're going. So stay connected. It's interesting. Jesus told his disciples, watch and pray. You remember he comes back three times. And he's like, you guys aren't praying. What's up? What's the matter with you? And he comes back, you know, over and over. Guys, the last time he goes, okay, guys. Just go ahead and keep on resting now. I, I've always thought it was sarcastic. Okay, guys, well, just why don't you just sleep the rest of your whole life, okay? You know, but as I've read some commentaries on it, and evidently it wasn't sarcastic at all. It was more consoling. And that actually makes it a little sad because you're just thinking, Jesus is essentially telling them, you had your opportunity. You missed the time to pray that you needed. You didn't do it. And he's just like, okay, guys, he's just sort of patting them on the back. <laughs> you, you see, comforting them, but they missed their opportunity to pray and get the strength that they needed. I want to just tell you, don't listen to messages like today and just think, oh, you know, oh, nice little thing. Oh, no, no, you need to do something about it. You need to change your life. You need to pray. You need to be serious about your prayer life. And you need to begin to seek God. Psalm 32.6 says, 
Let all the godly pray to you while you may be found. Surely when great waters rise, they'll not come near them. You see, right now is the time we need to be praying. And when the, if we pray now, when the waters rise, they won't come near us. You are my hide, This is the rest of the verse. You are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. Wow. How does that start out? Let the godly pray to you while you may be found. You see, I believe right now is, a, is not the time to be twiddling your thumbs. It's not to be the time to be wasting your time. This is the time to be serious with the Lord, to start walking with the Lord, to live for God, to develop your prayer life. You'll learn how to pray. All you got to do is get started and do it. God will teach you. Now, I just want to pray and conclude, but I want to encourage some of you that are there. Maybe you've not been serving the Lord and maybe you love the Lord, so to speak, or you have a heart toward God, but you've never given your life to the Lord. You see, God wants to pull you past that. Maybe you've never been helped in your walk. You're out by yourself somewhere trying to figure out how to, how to serve the Lord, how to live for God. Let me just tell you, that, just, that doesn't work very well. The way things were made in the church world is we get help, we grow, and then we help others. So when the new people come into the Lord, there are others there that are there to help you get started. That's what it's all about. Well, Father, we want to thank you for today. Thank you for your word, which is a sure foundation for us. Thank you for the word of God, which helps us go forward in times of difficulty. Thank you, dear God. You've given us everything we need for life and success and for growth and to go forward. Lord, we commit this time to you. We commit this season to you. We commit our lives to you afresh. And we thank you, dear God. What a great season we're getting into, Lord. We're just looking forward to using our faith. We're looking forward to, so to speak, walking on water, moving mountains, and doing great works for the Lord, doing great exploits for your kingdom, Lord, for your name. Lord, we just take joy in serving you, God, and, and, and helping you do what you want to get done in the earth. We just we love being a part of that. We love using faith which you've given us to make it happen and to see miracles happen. And Lord, we thank you, um, God, there's so many miracles that you want to take place in people's lives. And we get to be a part of that this year. We get to be a part of so many coming to know the Lord and helping them grow, God. Oh, Lord, we're looking forward to what's getting ready to happen. And we thank you for this hour that we're living in. Though difficulties come, Lord, our eyes are on you. And Father, we're just full of joy and rejoicing because we know we've got victory in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.